The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. World Population Day is observed every year on the 11th of July. Global population will reach a high of 8.8 billion before the middle of the century, but new reports suggest that it will decline rapidly after the year 2100. So what's the impact of all of this growing population and when will it stall? I'm joined by Professor Mary Gilmartin, Professor of Geography at Maynooth University. Good morning and welcome. Thank you. Now, um, the population of the world um, going to soar to 8.8 billion, uh, from where is it now, 7 billion, and then will peak and begin to decline. Why will it begin to decline? There's a sense that it will decline in some large countries such as China, um, that's connected to the longer-term impacts of the one-child policy, and then also in countries like Russia, Germany, and so on. Um, The reason for a decline in population will be a a reduction in the fertility rate. So that's the number of children that women are having. Um, And that's the main reason when a population declines. Now, the fertility rates declining, I mean, we can see in Ireland, for example, that people are marrying later and uh, having children later in life. So therefore, the prospect of uh, families like I grew up in a family of five children, um, that is rare enough these days. Um, More, maybe one or two child families are happening in Ireland. Uh, What is the impetus for uh, lowering the fertility rate? Um, many people think that the, the biggest connection is uh, education levels for women, so that fertility rates tend to drop um, as women are, 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 as girls are getting more access to education. So that's probably the case here. It's certainly the case, in, you know, across a number of other countries. Um, fertility rate also drops when there is um, more security in terms of, of pregnancy and childbirth. Um, if people are, are safer in pregnancy and childbirth and if infant mortality rates drop, then also the, the need for larger families drops as well. Um, and then in Ireland, you know, as in other countries, we can see those sort of structural issues around um, child, the cost of childcare, around the cost of housing, around the kinds of things that people try and put in place um, to have a secure base for having children. Um, and that can also have an impact on fertility rates as well. Now, uh, the issue facing us in Ireland, we're told we've an ageing population, even though our fertility is probably still above the European average. Um, What do we need to do? What are the things that maybe we're ignoring and not doing now to prepare for that future? This gets uh, talked about in terms of the dependency ratio, and the dependency ratio is the proportion of people in a population um, that are seen, are, are seen as economically active, so between 18 and 65, and the proportion outside those. And our dependency ratio is changing, in particular, because our population is aging. So we need to be planning, in particular, for an aging population. The, the percentage of people aged over 65 in Ireland went up from 13% in 2016 to 15% in 2022. So we need to be thinking about how we provide the kinds of services and care that are needed for people as they age. Um, And we need to be thinking as well about people who are older and living in rental accommodation. This is a new phenomenon that we're seeing in Ireland. Um, When people are, uh, are retired and living on pensions, they may not have, um, much variation in income levels, so it's very difficult for them to cope with rent increases in particular. So planning around housing, around care, around um, uh, social care and around health care for older people is important. And we also need to think about who's going to be doing that work um, if our population is 
um, if the birth rate is, is, is getting lower and if we have a smaller number of people who are yeah. economically active. Um, th- there is obviously an inherent difficulty for all democratic societies where governments can change um, maybe every five years, but sometimes rather more frequently uh, than that. You can think of Italy as a case in point in the, the, the Western developed world. Um, that trying to get long-term planning agreed is a major undertaking and often an impossibility. Um, I think that's true, but I think we also need to be cognizant of the fact that this is an issue across Europe and other European countries are going through this much earlier than we are. So we're certainly seeing this is an issue in, for example, Italy and Germany and so on. So whatever about uh, governmental um, desire to take this on as a priority, we have a permanent civil service who should be paying attention to it as well. And, and we can see the dangers and difficulties of not planning adequately for the future in terms of what's happening with housing and healthcare right now. Now, the the question of uh, global warming, um, the planet changing and so on, obviously there could be migration issues uh, that will uh, maybe visit upon us a younger population who have to flee other parts of the world. Uh, and, you know, we may be able to pick up the slack with that migration. Yeah, I mean, that's the other component of population change. It's migration. Um, and certainly we we think that there are going to be difficulties in terms of, you know, large parts of the world being uninhabitable, particularly with higher temperatures. So it's really hard for people to continue living in places that they traditionally have lived. So, yes, that is an option. Um, but that's something that we also need to plan for in terms of migration policy across Europe in general. Yeah, and there are countries obviously that have huge populations, India, uh, Brazil, um, China, you mentioned already, Uh, but the African continent has uh, huge populations, often decimated by war and famine. But I read somewhere, I think that uh, by the turn of the next century, that four in 10 people on the planet will be African. Well, certainly there's a a higher um, fertility rate in Africa, but then also linked to um, more limited access to education and so on. Um, So, so again, if we're thinking about fertility rates, if we're thinking about people um, having choices over fertility, that's also something that needs to be considered um, in in African context, also the kinds of lives that are available to people once they're actually born there. Sure. And speaking of the lives that are available to people here, Paul in Dublin says the biggest reason for the low birth rate in this country is the forcing out of both parents to work to be able to survive in this country, the destruction of the patriarchy and family unit with no incentive really to procreate. Well, I mean, the fertility rate in Ireland is above the European average and the number of births last year was the highest in over 10 years. So the numbers of people being born are higher than they've been for a while and the fertility rate is higher than most other European countries. Yeah, but still, we are facing that uh, change in our dependency ratio, which we uh, should be mindful of. And uh, you're handing it over to the permanent civil service uh, to plan for that future. Um, the the last question, really, Mary, is the the, the sustainability of a population of, uh, you know, seven billion at the moment. All could be fed if food was spread fairly across the globe, uh, going up to a peak maybe of nine point seven billion. Can the planet feed all those people? Yeah, I think it's possible, but we do need to pay attention as well to 
population growth and its impact on where people are living. And we're now in a situation where the world is more urbanised than it's ever been. We have a majority of people living in urban areas. And as urban areas expand, the land that's available for agriculture declines and the people who are available for working in agriculture also um, drops off. So we need to think about... Um, the geographical distribution of population and of the kinds of agricultural activities that are needed to sustain a growing population. It is possible, but we need to think about it nationally and globally as well. Yeah, I mean, it boils down to this, you know, AI is not going to help, you know, collect the garbage in the cities. AI is not going to grow a potato. So... No, no, but there are technological developments, I suppose, that are enhancing food supply in other contexts. But we need to think about environmental impacts, about cost and about availability always. Last uh, point made by Deirdre, one of our listeners, Mary. In Ireland, we really have to think about how to prepare for the future. If we compare our population at the time of the famine, 8 million, to other countries, then by now we should probably have a population of 20 to 30 million. While we may not grow at the same rate as others did to date, we need to think big in our planning for infrastructure, housing and essential services. We need to build livable cities, 15-minute communities and use our land wisely. We really need to think long term and immigration we should view as an asset. That's according to Deirdre. I think Deirdre's making um, important points. Obviously, our population of the island as a whole now, um, including the Northern Ireland, is around 7 million. So it's still less than uh, before the famine. So the carrying capacity in Ireland is, is higher than 7 million more people could live here and live decent lives here. Yeah, and, and that was, uh, well, they were living fairly primitive lives, I suppose, uh, before the famine, uh, subsistence basically, but uh, with modern technology and farming and so on, uh, certainly, and we're feeding half the world as well with our exports of dairy and beef and the rest of it. Mary, thank you very much for joining us. Professor Mary Gilmartin, Professor of Geography at Maynooth University. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.